Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. The question we all have to answer for ourselves, and indeed Jesus calls us to answer it as well, is decide today who we will follow. Who do we say that Jesus is? By ignoring the question, we've already answered it. Dr. Paul Barnett joins us for part two on the truth of the historical accounts of Jesus, looking at the writers who walked with Jesus and saw it all unfold before them. Well, you have the Gospel of Mark, which is almost universally believed to have been written under the authority of Peter himself. Right. Uh, he, his name appears prominently at the beginning and at the end and on the way through. And in ancient literature, uh, it's been established that that is a technique by which writers used to say who their chief authority was. Right. Mark himself doesn't claim to have been an eyewitness. And Luke doesn't claim to have been an eyewitness right. very significantly. Uh, and yet they, Luke claims to have had information handed over to him by the disciples, which he has then consolidated in his gospel. And uh, early tradition says that, uh, and reliable tradition says that Mark's gospel was written, as it were, under the authority of Peter. Yes. Yeah. What about Matthew? Matthew very probably was, in fact, Matthew Levi, the, the tax collector. But he, Matthew doesn't disclose much of himself in his gospel. But uh, there's very good reason to believe that Matthew was, in fact, Matthew Levi. I love what Luke wrote at the beginning of his, how he researched it all thoroughly yeah. so that we could know, or so Theophilus could know the yeah, history of the person. The truth. Now, when he says Theophilus, is he talking to a person, Theophilus? Yes, yes I think so. Yeah. Uh, Theophilus was, it, as a matter of fact, it does mean friend of God. Yes. But uh, it, it was not just a made-up name. No, because it makes we, sense. We know, of, uh, we know of, there was, for example, a Jewish high priest named Theophilus. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a made-up name, no. it's a real name. It makes sense that he was talking to someone. Very likely a patron. It was expensive business to take years out of your life to research, gather material, as Luke must have had to do to write Luke and Acts. So who provided for him? Yeah. Who put bread on his table to enable him to laboriously piece this information together and write? It must have taken a huge amount of time yeah. in the ancient world mm. to do that. So there's a very, very good case that Theophilus was both a Christian and a man of means who um, provided the wherewithal for, uh, for Luke to write his massive two-volume work, which is which represents 25% of the New Testament. It, Luke's the biggest contributor yes. by words to the New Testament. Because of the Book of Acts as well, right? He wrote the Book of Acts as well, yes. Right. He, he would have written them as one, Luke Acts as one book had it been possible to have a papyrus scroll that was big enough, but papyrus scrolls really only worked if they were not longer than about 10 metres long. And our, scholars have calculated that both Luke and Acts are each. 10 metres long. Right, right. Mm. It's interesting that you mention that, actually, because Jesus at one stage gets up to read... Uh, from, from a, a scroll. From a scroll. Mm. Something that Isaiah said, uh, which was talking about the coming of Jesus. Yes. And so in the Old Testament, there are many, many references about a Messiah who was to come. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. 
And Jesus made it very clear that he was that Messiah. Yes, that's, that's indeed, indeed the case. Jesus saw that all the various um, trajectories of Old Testament hope and specific promise intersected with him. Mm. The time is fulfilled, he said, which is his way of saying the scriptures are being fulfilled. Mm. And at the end of Luke's gospel, he said, you know, the Psalms and the law and the prophets are fulfilled today um, in me. So that, that means that Jesus is, is not just uh, making idle claims, but um, understands himself to be the rightful Messiah and the Son of God, the one who is to come. I want to be close, close to your side, so heaven is real and death is alive. It goes to say that he didn't leave room to be just called a good teacher, did he? No, he didn't. Um... I'm surprised at how many intelligent men intelligent women, they select teachings of Jesus that they think, yes, I agree with that, but no, that's not. How they make it a selective approach to what who Jesus was, yet you have to take the whole thing. You do. And if, as C.S. Lewis wrote, you know, if he wasn't Lord, he was a liar or, a dis- right. dis- or delusioned. Sure. Yes, we like to cherry pick. Um, <laughs> I suppose we all do yeah, that's to a right. degree. I don't think it's just some people who do that. I think probably all of us tend to have our bits of Jesus that suit us and other bits that we say, oh, that's too hard or yeah. don't agree with that. Yeah. But, but really, to be consistent, you really do need to embrace the lot. Yes, to, to say, as C.S. Lewis did, that uh, he's a good man, well, good men don't claim to be God. You know, they're either... As you say, delusional, sadly delusional, or um, or they're mischievous. So Jesus amazingly combines with himself these amazing claims to be the Son of Man and the Son of God, while at the same time saying he's humble. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, that's a... It blows me away what he said to Pilate when uh, he was being judged for the sentence. Yes. How he said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. That's right. What an amazing statement. That's right. What would you then say to someone who struggled like you did with that question years ago about is it true or isn't true? What would be a good starting point for them? Well, I think the important thing is to persevere. All truth is God's truth, historical truth, scientific truth. God is the source of truth. God is the source of the truth about Jesus. So without embarrassment or shame or anything like that, keep, keep looking reading the historical documents yes do what i did read the historical documents and say how can i how can i honestly explain what happened i think ask the cause and effect question be prepared to to go wherever the truth leads you uh, but here there's a cautionary note to be sounded and it is that each of us have in our view a vested interest in our own autonomy mm. and calling the shots for our own lives And uh, we worry that getting too close to Jesus will mean that he starts calling the shots. He's the one that starts directing traffic, as it were. And uh, that's that's pretty scary, particularly if we are into things that we sense are not really his will for us. But I would just say this, that there's nothing that Jesus takes away from us that's worth having. Nothing. Great point. And that... His purposes for us 
offer our, our best, our real happiness, our real joy, our real contentment, because he saves us from ourselves. Mm. As you mentioned with the cause and effect, when you decided that, when you realised, yes, this is true, yes. what effect internally has that had on your life? Oh, it is another world. If anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. Yeah. You're living in a different universe. You're living in a different world. It's a, it's a world in which there is, a, uh, there is now peace where there previously wasn't. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a world where there was real hope. I'm not a young man. I don't have too many more years ahead of me, and yet I face the future confident yes. in God's love and care of me and confident of his warm welcome yes. when my, my time comes. He's promised to us. And that's not to do with uh, any achievement of mine or any goodness on my part. It's purely God's mercy and love. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's like being in the best of families where you don't have to prove anything. Mm. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to do this to be accepted. You don't have to sort of be a sporting star to win your father's approval or something like that. Yeah, that's not God. God, God's not that kind of father. And through Jesus, we know that God. And as I say, that is another world. Yes. And it's a world of peace, a world of joy, it's a world of hope. Not without its difficulties, not without its hassles. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, you find the you find the real strength from God to deal with your hassles and overcome them. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world, hating the dark. My last point um, comes actually from what you've just said, that in all of the other religions that I've looked at yes. so far, there is one difference. We cannot ever mm. be good enough mm. form. It's all about you in the end. Yeah. Um, but you can create a kind of cosy security because, you know, of, of what you have achieved in terms of how you have tamed and domesticated the religious system that you're with. But it's delusional. Yeah. It's delusional. You have, you have refashioned the religion you're in to suit yourself anyway. And what about that very famous atheist, Richard Dawkins? Is there anything that could be said to him that could... Well, Richard Dawkins is an eminent scientist and he comes to his uh, views out of that. I think the best thing Richard Dawkins could do would be to read the work of, of um, his, his distinguished colleague at Oxford, uh, John Lennox, who's a professor of mathematics. He's written a wonderful book called um, God's Undertaker in which he, um, he goes through all the elements of science, whether physics or cosmology or biology or, or evolution or psychology, and uh, he just demonstrates that there is a Nobel Prize winner after Nobel Prize winner, eminent, eminent scientists, who, who cannot, in their opinion, escape from the reality that there is an intelligent mind that lies behind the universe Yes. An intelligent mind that lies behind our intelligent minds yes. that is able to comprehend the intelligible universe. And uh, that, that is a wonderful, a wonderful book. And the next thing, I think, that, uh, is to really understand how history works. Now, he, he goes about and he, he finds inconsistencies here and there between the Gospels or something like that. 
and he demolishes the whole on the part of some little inconsistencies that he finds. Now, it's, it's granted that there are loose ends within the Gospel accounts. They don't tie up exactly. Indeed, if they did, you'd suspect that the whole thing has been collusion. Yeah, right. But, but they don't. Right. Uh, but that's the nature of history, and history is the nature of the records that we have. Yes. So I think, I think he lacks an understanding of how history works. If he did, he would understand that the, that the case for the historicity of Jesus, the case for the historicity of the resurrection, is compelling. Yes. Was it C.S. Lewis that wrote about Galileo, how he created a working model of the solar system? And um, an atheist came into the room and said, that's incredible. He had the, the earth, he had the moon going around the earth, he mm. had the planets going around the sun, this mm. working model. And the atheist said, that's incredible, who made that? And Galileo's response was, nobody. And the atheist, and the conversation went along the lines of, you know, ha ha, that's, you know, someone had to make that, it's amazing. You've got the, right. you've got the moon going around the earth, you've got the yeah. earth going, all the planets. Yeah. And Galileo said, nobody made it. And then he said to the atheist, you look at this flimsy model of the real thing and say someone had to make this, but then you look at the real thing and say it just happened. Yeah, yeah, good point. and life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au slash radio.